So I, I did a naughty this weekend. Did you watch all seven series of Buffy? No, I spent future money. <laughs> you spent future beer. money? Lots of future money. You got a loan from Dan in the future? <laughs> well, pretty much. I bought a new car. <laughs> I'm getting a, a swanky uh, 308. CC? I was guided to learn that they've discontinued the CCs and they've discontinued the RCZs. Oh, really? Yeah, don't make them anymore. The RCZ was basically a 308. In, you're in high heels and a black mini dress. Yeah, they stopped doing both of them. Oh, what? And when they put the two litre petrol engine in, it was like an actually a, a good sporty car as well. As someone who knows nothing about cars, I was just playing the game of metaphor or not through that. <laughs> high heels and mini dress, definitely metaphor. That was on, yeah, my left hand side of the page. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. Welcome to Series 3 of Remedial Nerding, Episode 33, preview for Season 3, subtitled Everything Nathan Thinks He Knows About Buffy and Is Probably Wrong About. Yeah. And if we want to start fast, shall I just start reading my notes? Well, let's just go for a quick heads up for the the listeners about what the plan is for Series 3. All right, yeah. yeah I was going to say notes. I've not even looked at the plan. <laughs> we have discussed the plan off topic before, Dan. You've just forgotten. I, I, yeah, I've just not read it recently. Fortunately, there's not that many other awesome TV series that only get one season, like Firefly, which then lent itself perfectly to a season. So we're going back to Joss Whedon and looking at the Buffy franchise seven seasons so rather than spend the next three years watching every single episode we managed to find a list of the 15 brackets plus one close brackets most important episodes so the plan is we're going to watch one of those each week and discuss there may be some extra homework for nathan trying to watch some of the other episodes to try and give him some context to the ones we're watching or it might just be quite amusing to see him squirm when he's like well what that happened between last week and this week two years nathan two years happened so the list is on uh, decider.com forward slash 2014 forward slash 12 forward slash 02 forward slash 15 hyphen essential hyphen buffy hyphen the hyphen vampire hyphen slayer hyphen episodes forward slash or I'll, we'll just link it into the post click on it yeah. it's got all the episodes listed that's what we're going to watch in that order speaking of you Post me a link now so I can... I'm going to deliberately not read that. I mean, partly because I don't want to decode your grandmother reading of a URL, but also because I don't <laughs> want to spoil matters. Because if it says you have to watch this episode because it's the one where all your beloved characters get killed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Having not seen it before, I think you should be in the dark. I have already spoken to my concerns with this with Dan. There's a couple of particular that are going to be big jumps, but it'll be interesting to see how you take them. So Nathan is the pull for season three. That's a confusing terminology. It is. I don't think Nathan's the Paul for anything, really, because I'm pretty sure that I am the Paul for everything. For, for season I'm the one, the Paul for all seasons. Paul had not seen Firefly at all, except for the movie. This is very true. Are we going to take a look at the uh, Buffy movie? No. I have a question for you, which is: Is this a Stargate situation where they made a terrible film and then made a good TV series out of it, or is, yes. is it the oh, okay? <laughs> That's good because I didn't really have an example in mind for the 
mediocre TV <laughs> series that then gets a good film, or great series that gets a mediocre film. I'm going to back out of saying which one I thought that belonged to. <laughs> yep, ropey film, ropey pre-production pilot, but the pilot was good enough to get an actual series written. Uh, when did it actually come out? I should have looked this up before. I had that as one of my things I think I know. By which I mean things I was going to guess at. Why don't you guess while I load up the Wikipedia page? On the grounds that we went to started secondary school in 1995 to 2002, I'm going to say 1995 through to 2002. <laughs> well, the film was from 1992. Uh, you, you're not far off, Nathan. The series premiered on March the 10th, 1997 and concluded in 2003. That was a long wait. Well, there was well, quite a big gap between and... series six and seven. Well, I meant a long gap between 92 for the film and 97 for the spin-off. This is just how well the movie did. <laughs> yeah. Got quite a lot of inertia to fight at that point. Looking something up. I'd forgotten how awesome the theme tune to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer was. I was trying to look up mediocre films from 2011 that we can suggest to be rebooted as a seven series miniseries. A TV series. I wouldn't call seven series a miniseries. No, series I wouldn't quite either. a lot of series. A mediocre film from 2011 that we can reboot as a TV series. So far, my best idea is uh, Green Lantern. What about Battleship? Was that 2011? Because if not, it doesn't doesn't meet my criteria. Otherwise, I see no problem with that. So what else does Nathan think he knows about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, Okay, so American paranormal action comedy. Around 1995 to 2002, set in a California town called Sunnyvale? Sunnydale. Oh, okay, right. Um, The high school there has a hellmouth under it, which disgorges monsters at a rate of roughly one a week. (laughs) (laughs) The librarian is Anthony Head, also called Giles. Um, He is possibly a member of the Inquisition or some (laughs) other Vatican-adjacent paranormal cop organisation. But he is forbidden from slaying for some reason, so therefore they have adjunct slayers who are normally high school seniors, I guess. This one is called Buffy and is played by Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> Definitely she <has> a, not. <laughs> additional <laughs> characters not. include <laughs> um, Angel, who is a vampire but a good one. Yeah. At some point in this series, they're going to violate the rule of creepiness by dating. <laughs> Half your age plus seven equals like 600 in this case. <laughs> uh, Felicia Day is a witch called Willow. She dies at least once and is resurrected. Felicia Day is in the like the very last episode, but she's not Willow. I guess not if she's in the very last episodes, because I'm pretty sure yeah. this is a Dawnstar situation where she's there from the start. Yeah, Willow's Alison Hannigan. Right, okay. Uh, there may or may not be someone called Xander in it. Yep. yep. There may or may not be a werewolf called Spike. He's so close. <laughs> I should think, what was his name? His name was Oz. Ah, oh, that was it. Was there a Spike who was not there a There was a Spike. There Spike is a was Spike, a yeah. Okay. Spike's a big character as well, but not, not the werewolf. The principal of the um, Hellmouth High is called Armin Shimmerman, played by Quark. <laughs> for, um, for some of it, yeah. And he has the hilarious job of explaining to all the non-aware members of the general population why there are monsters all the time. Excuses include thugs on PCP. That's the only one I've seen. <laughs> I was going to say, you've definitely seen some of this then. Because that's quite a specific detail. Well, it's because it's one of the main things I remember. It indicates that there wasn't more to displace that little detail. <laughs> True. Um, I know two episode titles. There is the one that's called Hush, that has no dialogue. And the one that's called Once More With Feeling, that has too much dialogue. <laughs> Does it count as dialogue if it's singing? 
I think it counts too much. That's... <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. Maybe it's good. Have you seen much of Scrubs? Yes, quite a lot, but not the one where they had a musical episode. Well, it's about as good as that one. Because <laughs> that episode of Scrubs is amazeballs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the HD remaster is absolutely awful. That is the last <laughs> thing I know about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know nothing about the HD remaster. Oh, you you should look at look up the article for it because it's hilarious. Because it was it was shot for TV. It was in four by three, but they actually shot in sixteen by nine and then cropped it. So when they came time to do the HD DVD release, they said, "Hey, we've got all this sixteen by nine footage. Let's just put that on instead." Not realizing or perhaps not caring that that includes lots of lighting technicians, people smoking <laughs> cigarettes in the side of the frame. <laughs> characters who are meant to have died earlier in the episode just standing around. They also did things like, um, say, this seems too dark, take off all the day-for-night filters. So now people are creeping around in broad daylight. <laughs> Which, as I understand, most of the characters being vampires is thematic. <laughs> the problem. Uh, it's a thematic problem. Other places they just kind of, like, cut out the top half of frame, or top third of frame to make it into 16 by 9 so now people are just, um, instead of sitting in gothic cathedrals, they're just in flats. When they were making the pilot episode for Firefly, of course, same water behind it, Joss Whedon. There's that scene where Mal and Simon talk from opposite ends of the frame. They're both just in frame on a 16 by 9 ratio. And according to the DVD commentary, put that in specifically so it could not be resized in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Although, based on the... Uh, Buffy remasters, maybe they would just put that in 4 by 9 uh, 4 by 3 and then cut out both characters. Have them both talking from off frame. It's just an empty <laughs> corridor. Yep. A gantry with voices from left and right. The big thing I remember from, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is they got to the end of series 5 and they could have left it there and, and they didn't. And it's a little bit like there's a few other TV series that have done it as well where they've reached an end. In fact, Scrubs did it as well. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, let's let's go, let's get the cow back out in the field and start milking the cash cow again. <laughs> so, was did those seven series track roughly in time, or by the end did they have like thirty-year-olds who were pretending to be sixteen? On the assumption they started with twenty-two-year-olds who were pretending to be sixteen. No, they did. The whole, they aged, and you know, they mm. graduated, went to college, graduated, got jobs. I see. So it was a bit of a Harry Potter and the Cursed Child going on there by the end of series seven. Well, it was only, I mean, given that it was, what, six years from beginning to end? It was probably only about six years from beginning to end in the show as well. Yeah, I suppose that is actually just less than the conventional span of Harry Potter rather than the adult age spin-offs. Yeah, so it is more like the uh, the actual seven-year arc from Harry Potter. I'm now really wondering what Buffy would have been like if Minister Joan Hart had played Buffy. Very, very different. I'm going to do a quick wiki search to find out who Melissa Joan Hart is, and she's apparently not who I think she is. She's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And Clarissa from Clarissa explains it all. Huh. You can see who else Dan had a crush on when he was a teenager. <laughs> I mean, I had a, a massive poster of, of Sarah Michelle Gellar on my wall when I was a teenager. Looking this up, I feel my mistake is quite forgivable. Well, given they're both blonde. Given that they're both <laughs> blonde American women with three names born in the late 70s in New York, who then went on to be in comedy paranormal action adventures. <laughs> Who are both also rumoured to be Republicans. Because <laughs> that's always important to, uh, you know, when you first meet people, hi, I'm Nathan Hill and I'm a Democrat. Well, in Hollywood. Despite living three and a half thousand miles away. I think if you're in Hollywood and a Republican, then you basically have to be going around Arnold Schwarzenegger's house once a week to have dinner with all the other Republicans in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> what, like Clint Eastwood? I don't know if Clint Eastwood gets invited anymore. 
He's too Republican. <laughs> we, we may be veering off topic a little bit. We're definitely veering off what's going to be in the podcast. Yeah. Although, to bring it back, Melissa Joan Hart is definitely a Republican, and she's uh, extremely upset, as you might be if you're a Republican at the moment. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar is probably not Republican, but screwed up a thanks Obama joke on Twitter and got everyone thinking she was. But she was also <laughs> one of the uh, the voice cast of Star Wars Rebels Season 2. <laughs> if there's a conne- logical connection there, I did not see it. <laughs> Anyway, as I say, I feel that's a forgivable mistake. Oh man, Sarah Michelle Gellar's 39. She's an old girl now. You're nearly 33, Dan. Shh. In fact, by the time this airs, you probably will be 33. Shh. Nah, about ages yet. Well, 33 and four months would be a more significant milestone, surely. <laughs> nope, don't get the significance of that. One third of your way to your telegram. Uh, I guess Americans probably don't get telegrams from the Queen, or international listeners in general. I think they can apply to the White House for a letter from the President. So you have to write to the president and say, hey, Mr. President, I'm turning 100. Can I get a letter from you saying, congratulations, you're old? Well, you have to write to the Buckingham Palace to get one from the Queen. It doesn't just happen. Ah, I'm disappointed now. I assume that it's mostly grandchildren writing to Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Rather than people applying for on their own behalf saying, I've stayed alive for this. <laughs> you will send my goddamn me my telegram. Letter. I was born in the 19th century. Send me my telegram. Actually, I think there were many people, if any, left who were born in the 19th century. The the current holder of the world's oldest living person was born on the 29th of November, 1899. So there is at least one person who was born in the 19th century. Barely. Hey, it counts. There we go. In fact, of the ten oldest living people, all of whom are female, she is the only one from the 19th century. Anyway, that's not got anything to do with Buffy at all. So characters I was able to list were Buffy, Giles, Angel... Spike, and apparently Oz, although I didn't know I was doing so at the time. Are there any, like, major in-all-seasons characters I've missed out there? I mean, Buffy's mum, presumably. Except that she dies of a funny aneurysm. But there are some other ones that popped up later on. There's other ones, like, Faith, quite big at the beginning and comes back. Anya's in quite a lot of it, although she's not in at the beginning. Cordelia's Um, in it. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris McCarpenter's character, whose name I've missed. Yeah. She was quite big in it, and then, but then she went off to do uh, Angel on the spin-off. Yeah, at what point did the spin-off come around? Because if they did, it sounded like they did seven series and kind of staggered to a stop, so that suggests they didn't have a spin-off immediately afterwards, as they would if it had been a clean break. I think they started to run concurrently. Didn't yeah, it's more like Next Gen and Deep Space Nine in that the spin-off started before the original had finished. Right. Because at the end of one of the series, Angel goes off in a half to go to LA to get away from Buffy. Hmm. And then comes back later on for the last few series. I have to say, I thought Sunnyvale was basically in Los Angeles, but maybe that's just because it's an American TV show. Ah, there we go. The spin-off Angel was introduced in October 99 at the start of Buffy season four. Yeah, a lot of the characters from Buffy went off to do bits in Angel and vice versa. There's a lot of Whedon stars that crossed over from both as well, weren't there? Especially in Angel. Does that mean I'm going to be distracted by seeing Marina Baccarin as a bartender or something? No. I oh, say that now, I'm going to be scouring all the extras looking for their yeah. faces now. <laughs> so I was just looking at the uh, the release dates for them, and actually there was no big hiatus or anything. It ran solidly from 97 to 03. So season 1 was 97, season 2 was 97 to 98, 3 was 98 to 99, and just carried on like that. I thought there was a gap. And it were they released at roughly the same time in the UK, or was that, or did we get them on a satellite delay? 
the kind of satellite that sends the tapes over by ship, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure. We got them on DVD first, though. Is that because the Americans were still using VHS? They hadn't embraced the technology yet. No, I'm not sure. No, we got them the best part of a year before the US did on DVD. Mm-hmm. And about the same time that they did in Australia. Which makes a nice change, actually, given that us and Oz are usually miles behind in getting stuff like that. Although, fortunately, that is something that is definitely changing, for much for the better. Yeah, region-specific releases are getting increasingly hard to de- defend, I guess. All you have to do is look at how much Game of Thrones was pirated, because yeah. so many people had literally no other way of watching it. Yeah. In some respects, piracy is good for the industry, because it drives change like that, but on the other side, piracy is bad and okay. Come on, Dan, you're in a you know, public service role now. Piracy is definitely bad. Okay. Okay. But it's, yeah, it's good that things like that can drive change. That's why I like uh, like Netflix so much. It's just a shame it's taken them so long to negotiate things between different countries. You see that uh, Amazon Video's got all of Star Trek now. Netflix has got all of Star Trek. After they get their service wrong, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, Netflix announced two weeks ago, real time, not necessarily broadcast time, that they've got all... They've even got the animated series as well, because they've had bits of TNG before, but yeah, they've got all of them because... They did it like two weeks before they announced that they are the launch channel for Discovery in December, I think it starts. Which takes place in the Star Trek Prime timeline. Yes. Although, I have to say, I'm not entirely convinced by the design of the ship. It looks like the saucer section of AN Enterprise has been rammed by a Klingon D7 cruiser with that weird triangular engineering section. I've not seen it. There you go. It, It looks like a cross between... A Federation starship, the, the Klingon cruiser, and a Cardassian, um, Gala-class cruiser. A Kim Cardassian? Yeah. Aww. I think that every time I hear her stupid name. I'm still not convinced she can speak. She's one of those celebrities that you never hear speak. So is Discovery going to be like Enterprise but better? Or is it later in the timeline? It is set between Undiscovered Country and TNG, as far as I'm mm. aware. Okay. Because there was about a 70-year gap in the, yeah, in the canon between like the two. 10 years on the timeline between Discovery and uh, TOS. In terms of service, that's all I think every time. That ship is not a good-looking ship. It's not, no. Maybe it's not meant to be. Although maybe it'll have the uh, Millennium Falcon problem, and in 20 years we'll just be thinking that's what a science ether type ship is meant to look like. Ah, I, I, I was wrong. It's set 10 years before the events of the original Star Trek series. Yeah, which is, I'm sure that's what I just said. Oh, possibly. I was possibly listening to what I wanted to hear rather than what you actually said. <laughs> probably. I thought it was set between TOS and TNG. That would probably have been a better gap to fill. So the season-long storyline revolves around an incident and event in Star Trek's history that has been talked about but never been explored. I wonder if that's maybe the war with the Romulans that led maybe. to the setup of the. It might be that led to the setup of the neutral zone because that was. That was the status quo in the original series, was that there had been a war, and they set up the neutral zone as a buffer. Would it be missing the point of the exercise if I asked you questions about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? No, I think that fits in nicely. Whether we choose to answer them or not is another question. Yeah, I guess you can answer with an answer, or just, you'll find out. (laughs) Stay tuned. How do they recruit Slayers? Is she a predestined hero, or is it just... Alphabetically, and all the A ones didn't seem up to the job. Slayers aren't recruited; they're born. Maybe. Okay. So. And when one Slayer dies, a new one 
he's bestowed the gifts. Okay, so that's what's going to happen in S1, E1 then, is Jimmy, the vampire slayer, is going to roll a natural one. But they're also <laughs> always female. Okay. Tammy, the vampire slayer. <laughs> Later on in the series, they do introduce the concept of potential slayers to people that it, that may be chosen, but they don't know if they will be or not. All right. The mention of gifts presume that there's something they have that's beyond just training then, and or an awesome stake or crucifix shurikens or something. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure all of those things are in the seasons at some point. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of stakes involved. Stakes. I was going to ask if Giles, has, if Giles has any job. Other, weirdly enough, that was in a comic strip I read re- fairly recently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was going to ask if Giles has any function other than being a Basil exposition and or British and slightly sinister. Um, it's definitely not slightly sinister. Oh, okay. British and adorably twee? Yeah, that, that sums him up quite well. Yeah. His role does develop as his character does through the seasons. He's essentially there to watch, document, provide training and information. So it's kind of a uh, tweed-clad Yoda, then? <laughs> yeah. Does Anthony Head been in anything else? Because I feel like the fact I remembered his name went despite getting the protagonist wrong and the secondary character wrong, apparently. <laughs> or is he just one of those guys who's extremely distinctive? He's just extremely distinctive. He's in the Inbetweeners movie. Um, he was in Merlin. Hmm. I kind of wanted to watch more of that than I did. Yeah, the bits that I saw of it were okay, but it's like we needed to watch more of it. Um, Anthony Head has been in a lot. Like, his TV bit of his filmography goes from 1978 and has about 30 entries. Okay, so he's a, a prolific working actor then. Yeah, he's been in all sorts of stuff. Hmm. Merlin, Little Britain, Doctor Who, Hotel Babylon, Monarch of the Glen, Spooks. So some of them might be just single episode entries, but hmm. quite a lot. And that's just his, uh, it's just his TV stuff. Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Is that the Nicolas Cage film? The second one? I don't know, I haven't seen any of them. Apparently he was in The Iron Lady. I've not watched that. The last thing my life needs is a film about Maggie Thatcher. <laughs> Little Britain. He was the Prime Minister in Little Britain. Of course he was. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Of course he was. He, you're right, he was being in a shit ton. He was in Jonathan Creek. Was he? The Wrestler's Tomb episode as Adam Klaus. Adam Klaus is a pretty major character. It's it's only listed for one episode, though. Was that like the pilot or something? 1997, Adam Klaus, The Wrestler's Tomb. That is probably first season, because I watched a lot of Jonathan Creek in the day. That must have been pretty early. Has Sarah Michelle Gellar been in anything since this? Or has she just basically kept her head down and made loads of money? She's been in a few things. She went and did proper films for a while. Uh, the Grudge, I know what he did last summer, Cruel Intentions. Apparently, Cruel Intentions is in pre-production for a TV movie. Oh, right. Yeah, she took some time out to have her family, and now she's been doing a TV show called Ringer. Or she was. work as well. I would have to say, I do always respect that when someone's in a very public job and just basically says, nope, we're going to have a family now. Don't want them to be on the front of magazines. So, see you in 12 years, I guess. Yeah. One of the... Um, Producers of, or one of the guys in Ghostbusters, I believe, did that. One of the guys whose names I get mixed up, so I'm not going to even try. Harold Ramis. Yeah, I think it probably was. Also, Kate Bush. <laughs> Just throwing Kate Bush in there because she's someone that you get mixed up with other people. Because I believe that she was in Ghostbusters. No, because <laughs> she had like three number one albums in the 70s and then nothing whatsoever for 15 years and then a string more of number one albums. Took some time out. 
Oh, technically, she's not Sarah Michelle Gellar anymore. She's, she's not married. Tacked on a fourth name. Well, in, in 2007, Prince. in honour of their fifth year of marriage, she changed her la- legal name to Sarah Michelle Prince, which is an unusual move. I've not actually heard mm. of many people that do that. They either you change their name on marriage or they don't. Yeah. I have to say, this is going to be quite a rambling mess to edit together. It certainly is. But I have a long time with not much else to do. I woke up at five this morning and I've had a beer since then, and it's only early afternoon now. Oh, I would have had a beer, but we're going to go and try and see what Lola's like out on the bikes. Anyway, should we do a little throw forward to the next episode? Yeah. I'm still trying to work out if a dog could ride a bike. Yes, they can. <laughs> I think it may have been like a, a powered bike, but it was then driving with its paws. They've seen <laughs> dogs to fly planes. <laughs> well, flying planes is easy. Any idiot can do that. <laughs> flying a plane is easier than driving a car. <laughs> it's, did it's, not expect you to run with that. I think it's the landing that's the difficult part. <laughs> Once it's up in the air, it's fucking... Yeah, flying a plane's easy. Landing a plane, not so easy. Fair point. Yeah, okay then, so what are we doing this season? I've already forgotten. <laughs> so it is Buffy, a selection of 15 episodes from all seven series, in chronolo- well, in episode order, so that it makes some vague Episodic. amount of sense. So is the first one going to be S1E1, or are we watching a pilot or, or preview film or something? S1E1 is Welcome to the Hellmouth. Uh, it serves as pilot and introduction. All right, so I should um, maybe go into it with charitable expectations if it's yeah getting the training wheels on. Just be warned, it does set the premise for the story at the, like in the uh, the voiceover at the very beginning. <laughs> Efficiency, I like it. But it does just set the tone for it. The tone that wasn't set by the um, late nineties rock and extremely overwrought font. <laughs> just every time we look through these episodes, it's like oh. Oh, creepy! <laughs> Man, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be an intense ride. I have to say. What was the target age range of these? Because I think of them as being for teenagers, which is not to say that you don't get intense things aimed at teenagers. Young adult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of YA fiction, but it, I think it's still aimed at kind of uni, uni age, early twenties as well. It, it's family primetime viewing, BBC Two. Six o'clock. It was part of BBC Two's six appeal season. Yeah, what else was in that season? Because Star Trek was at one of those, and The Simpsons, I think, was one night a week. What it was? What, so five days a week. You had at one point you had like TNG on one on Tuesday, Deep Space Nine on Thursday, The Simpsons. You quite often had the Jerry Anderson stuff. Yeah, was in there. I'm pretty sure the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was on at some point in that series season as well. Well, I think. The likes of Fresh Pints and Simpsons are both sort of twenty-five minute no advert runtime. Yeah. So two of those will equal one of the longer. Yeah. You know, it's new Star Trek forty-five minutes with no adverts. Which thank God BBC didn't run adverts. Yeah, that, that's another thing that maybe it seems strange to overseas listeners in our country. The state pays for us to watch non-advertising interrupted episodes of The Simpsons. What just makes it really odd is when you see something that cuts away and then cuts back to the same thing. It's like, oh, there would have been an ad break there. Yeah, <laughs> the fade out, fade back to exactly the same person looking in the same direction, who then restates what someone just said. <laughs> Man, to start having conversations like that when you get to the, you stop and go back and reiterate the last sentence you had. <laughs> yeah, so what did you do that for? Oh, ad break. Ad break. <laughs> <laughs> for international distribution, you know how it is. I think the reason all these episodes are going to get certainly me and Dan in the feels is it's all of the peaks. So every time the series ramps up the tension, that's the episode that we're watching. 
you may need to do a bit more homework than we do. So yeah, if I just bounce from peak to peak, I, mean, I think the tone's just incredibly high octane from the start. Yeah, but we'll see. Don't we'll have to wrong. wait and see how you get on with this. If you may have to go and backfill afterwards. I mean, there are some incredibly slow episodes, particularly when they get into the stride of the, the Buffy Angel romance thing. They had their own freaking love theme on the album, for Christ's sake. Yeah, they did. And they whacked that thing out as many times as they could. Slow episodes. Well, we'll have none I'm of them here. I'm a teenager, why don't you love me? Because I'm a 732-year-old man, and I've killed people, baby. And I feel bad about it. I can't tell if Nathan's frozen or he's just stunned. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about vampires with PTSD, to be honest. <laughs> this is a really interesting concept. Maybe I'll have to go on with Angel. That, that, that is exactly how Angel lives. That is what Angel is all about. Anyway, enough rambling. Yeah, that's more than enough rambling. To the hell mouth. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.